Hi, Mamas. Today's episode explores infant loss and grief. Our guest will be sharing the story of losing her five-month-old daughter to SIDS. Although today's topic is heavy, this episode will also be full of hopeful and helpful messages for every mom, especially if you or anyone you know has undergone any sort of infant loss or grief. We will also be talking about the rock and play and other serious incidents. We hope you enjoy today's episode and take these messages to heart. Since our interview is so tender, we will be playing our ad spot at the start of the episode in order to avoid interruption. Enjoy! We are so excited to welcome our sponsor for this episode, Lucky and Me. Lucky and Me is an adorable online children's shop that focuses on children's underwear products. They're super soft fabric blends, several products featuring 100% organic cotton. They're perfect for sensitive skin, which is huge for my little kids. The quality design and the fit that can stand up to all day play, which is a must. And they always have tagless. There's never a tag on them and they're machine washable. We've been living in these because my little boy just recently got potty trained. He absolutely loves these underwear products. And as I've compared them to the underwear that we've bought at other places, just like your typical store, um, they are so much softer. Like we said, no tag. And, and they're the cute. Yes. So cute. The quality just can't be beat. And the, the colors are adorable. They have a huge variety of colors to pick from. I love that. So you can find them at luckyandme.com. And they have been so generous and given us a code for our listeners. So you're going to get 25% off your entire order with free shipping over $35 with code MAMAHOOD25. That is MAMAHOOD25 at LuckyAndMe.com. Mama, a word that we all know, a word some of us hear a thousand times a day, and some are anxiously waiting for. It's a title accompanied by immense joy deep loss, and hearty laughter. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Marin. We love mamas, and we love your strength and your sacrifice. We honor your easy days and the days where you hide in a closet. Because we have them too. We know that moms need moms, and that's where we come in. And the best part is, you can show up in your messy buns and sweatpants and we'll never know. In fact, we're probably in ours too. We hear you, and we want to connect with you. This is your community. So welcome to our sisterhood. Welcome to our circle. Welcome Welcome to to the mamahood. Hey mamas, welcome to this week's episode. We are so excited to have Sarah Bertolo with us today. (laughs) She's the cutest. Sarah's sitting here with us and we just love her. She is a singer-songwriter who loves Chick-fil-A, karaoke, Leslie Nope, which we've been chatting about <laughs> since she got here. Obs wasn't on the nope train yet. I need, I know I need to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Anne Hamilton. She's passionate about people, laughter, leadership, silliness, Christianity, acceptance, forgiveness, and honesty. Um, she's a mother of two beautiful girls, Alice and Rosie. Sarah wrote and produced a song after losing her first baby, Alice, to SIDS. She has been a beacon of light for so many mamas out there as she has shared her story and music with the world. We're so grateful she's joined us today, and we're excited to kind of hear more of her story. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> That's our little <laughs> intro. <laughs> um, so as we mentioned, we'd love to hear a little bit more of your story. What has given you the spark to produce such beautiful music and I mean, we're just going to let you share a little bit. Sure. Okay, so um, I think it kind of all started 
Well, I've been singing and writing songs for a long time, but I never really like took myself seriously, I guess. And then about almost like three and a half years ago now, my older sister, Natalie, had a daughter named Margot, and she passed away when she was a week old from a chromosomal defect called trisomy 18. And they had no idea until she was born that anything was wrong. And so um, with trisomy 18, babies often don't live very long. They a lot of times will have like heart or lung defects. And that was the case with Margot. And she was only like four pounds when she was born. So they were like, she's too small to operate. And so we knew she wouldn't live very long. So we all like we're just obsessing over her her whole life. We always are like, you babies don't get to be held their whole lives except for Margot. She got Aww. held every single second. So I went mm-hmm. and got to spend one night with her um, so my sister could get some sleep. And I was holding her and I was rocking her and I was just like, I don't know, a song just like came to mind and I was singing a tune and I was just thinking about like how much I love her. And it was it was kind of like, meant to be comforting to her and also like a promise that I would see her again. And um, that's how I wrote um, a song called Until Heaven. And I did a a candlelight vigil in Provo, Utah, with like a lot of families locally who have lost children and we lit candles for them and did a music video for that. And um, amazing. it was super fun. And I got to be connected with so many lost parents. And this was before I was ever even pregnant. And I was like... I got really immersed in that world. And so it turned out to be a huge blessing because after Alice passed away super suddenly, like all of those people who I had connected with just briefly, like rushed in. And it was like amazing to see all these people. And Mm -hmm. it felt kind of silly because they were like, oh, you've given so much to us. We want to give back to you. And I was like, I didn't give any, I didn't feel like I had given much. I just wrote a song Mm -hmm. and I was really grateful that it could be comforting to them and benefit their lives. But so that's kind of so powerful that way. I feel like thanks. Yeah, it's it's really cool how you can connect with so many people. And I'm still making friends from that. And that was years ago. And my cute husband, we were so poor at the time. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to take all the money we have and make a music video. <laughs> Hope you're ready. <laughs> oh, I love and that. he was totally supportive. And it turned out to be a huge blessing. So after Alice died, I remember thinking like, I need to write a song for her. Because Until Heaven for Me will always be Al- uh, Margot's song. See, I get mixed up still. <laughs> so I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, I need to write a song for Alice because Until Heaven's for Margot. And people sometimes will be like, oh, what a beautiful song you wrote for your daughter. And I'm like, I didn't even write that one for her. I wrote that one for my niece. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, but I get confused a lot. <laughs> yeah, and right at the beginning, I didn't feel ready. I was like, I'm. it's too sad. And I didn't want to write like a really tragic song because like, of course, infant loss is horrible and sad, but... I feel like I wanted a song that captured like the beautiful essence of Alice's spirit. And so just like a few months ago, I felt like, okay, I'm ready. Cause mm-hmm. I always felt really connected to her through music and I feel like pushed towards it from her. Cause I, I don't know, I feel like I get a lot of courage and motivation from that spirit. Cause like I'd find her in her bed, like singing to herself in the morning. And if I would sing to her, she'd like coo back when she's like two weeks old. And I'm like, you're not supposed to be able to even like, smile at me (laughs) we're like connecting through music so I love that didn't you connect with the paramedics that came yes and maybe give us kind of a little background and and just the good that you've brought from that whole thing but just maybe a background of all of it that sure our listeners to haven't maybe heard yeah so the day that Alice died um I was the one who found her in her bed and it was pretty clear to me right away that 
there was really no chance of reviving her. And, um, so we, we of course did call 911 and there was that small glimmer of hope. Hope is kind of a weird word for it, but I, I wished that there was something they could do, but I knew that they probably weren't going to be able to. And I remember I, they came so fast and, um, he rushed down the stairs. We were living in a basement apartment at the time, the first responding officer who got there and he started doing, um, chest compressions on Alice. And I just remember thinking like, she is so tiny and this man is not tiny. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't giant or anything, but he's a grown man. And I remember thinking like he was really focused, but he was still so gentle with her. Like, I don't know. I remember just thinking like, this is so loving what he's yeah. doing right now. And of course it was devastating. It was like an out of body experience, but, um, it turned out that he was my, my husband's sister's husband's uncle. <laughs> so it's kind of a weird connection, but mm-hmm. Dallas had met him. Like they were, they went to the same church when no he was way. young. And so it was like crazy that we had this connection with him. And, and I remember thinking back on that later because all these men, like tons of them came in. I don't even know how many, but I felt like there were at least 20 guys in our like 700 square foot basement apartment. And, um, I I mentioned on my blog post that I posted a few years ago, just like recounting the days I like, didn't have like pants on (laughs) Mm. and all these guys were there. I didn't even care. It was like, whatever. Cause I had underwear, but it was like, this doesn't even matter. But yeah. I, mm-hmm. and I remember I didn't even notice until they had decided, okay, we're going to try to put some like, I don't really know what they're called, but they were trying to use this machine to restart her heart. Yeah. And they were like, I don't think you'll want to watch this part. Let's bring you into the other room. So we went into our bedroom and that was when I was like, oh, I should put some pants on. And then um, <laughs> you're like, I probably should. I know. <laughs> like I had a moment to think like, oh, yeah. okay, let's do this. And they came back right away. They weren't they didn't work on her long. I think those machines also have the ability to like listen for heart tones or yeah. like remaining anyway. And they just kind of knew. And I came back out and I, I tried to be really gracious. I'm not sure how I, <laughs> how it came across, but I tried to make sure they knew that I was really grateful for what they had done, even though it was pretty brief. Um, cause I just knew there wasn't anything to do. So, um, a few years later, just a few months ago, I, I posted on Instagram and Facebook and I, I have a picture of the guys working on Alice and one of them is like trying to give her oxygen and one of them is pushing on her chest. Who took that picture, by the way? One of the paramedics did. Really? (laughs) We got reconnected through the picture. Oh my goodness. um, Through the the person who we knew. Yeah. And he had said, (laughs) I don't want to get him in trouble, but he was like, I I knew that this was going to, stay with me for a long time because he had a little girl a similar age Mm. and he said I knew I had to show my wife so she would understand because he he said that he wasn't going to be the same for a while and I felt so bad (laughs) I mean not guilty but just sort of like it was almost a nice feeling like he's going to carry this with him so I don't have to carry all of it you know and I I I was sad that he had to do that but I was grateful that it was like okay we can share share the pain and yeah, I was really grateful that he took that picture. And then my dad actually took a picture that same day later on. Because when babies die unexpectedly at home, um, like the police have to investigate, right? right? Which I'm really glad they do because sometimes yeah. it's not okay and they need right. to do things. It was kind of inconvenient for that day, though. Luckily, we lived in a 
two-story home or two-unit home. Mm -hmm. And my brother and his wife lived upstairs because I don't know where we would have gone if it had been like a normal house. And you'd be just... Dealing with those emotions, yeah. Who knows where? Yeah, and yeah. it was winter, wasn't it? So like, it, was, it had snowed a ton that day, and that's part of why it took so long because the medical examiner's office had to come from Salt Lake down to Provo and look at Alice's body pretty thoroughly, and just for like an initial assessment. And it took them like two or three hours to get there because it was the roads were awful. So were you upstairs during that time? Like, yeah. So after they had said like, "There's nothing more we can do," they said. We're really sorry, but we have to like separate you from the from the body and from the scene. And so, if you could go upstairs, and so I went up, and I remember opening the door, and my sister in law was just standing there, and she knew what was going on because she had started to try to come down. I didn't know because I was in my room at the time, but she had started to try to come down, and she saw Alice on the floor, and they had ushered her back upstairs, and so she was just waiting there and just like wrapped me in her arms as soon as I got to the top of the stairs, and it was like what a blessing to have family like so close (laughs) people who are familiar and like of course it was wonderful to have my husband there but like I don't know we were both kind of experiencing the same thing yeah he's in that place too the same amount of grief right exactly so So like I don't want to downplay what they went through because of course it was a huge loss for them too but it was nice to have someone a little bit removed yeah Mm -hmm. even just like a tiny bit more removed so so I remember I read that blog post that you made that's when I became invested in your story and um, I remember you said you'd been texting your sister. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So that sister I was texting was Margot's mom mm. and she and I are super close. She has a daughter just like three months older than Alice named Nora and Nora's her rainbow baby. So mm. it's kind of like all intertwined because right. Nora was so special following, following Margot and she's like double special yeah. <laughs> because she's the same age as Alice. So she's really special to us. And, um, right. she, we always say that she and Rosie are somewhere between cousins and sisters because they're, but um, there's a, we have another niece named Annie that same age as well. And it's really fun to see them play together. And we're always like feeling that Alice is there too. So um, just to answer your question, when I first found Alice, I screamed to my husband to call 911. And when he was doing that, I called my mom. And she answered the phone, and I remember hearing her answer and knowing, like, you have no idea what I'm going to tell you, because she was really nice and like, hi, honey, how are you doing? And I I just said to her, I was like, mom, Alice is dead. Like, I didn't even say, like, something's wrong. She's she's not breathing. I just was like, she's dead. And my mom was started screaming back and was like, no, like, do CPR, call 911. And I was trying to do CPR, but Alice's jaw had, like, clenched up and I couldn't open it and I couldn't get air into her lungs. And I was like, I'm trying, but I just feel like there's nothing I can do at this point. And so my mom called my dad. He was at work. He, um, teaches seminary at a, well, he did. He taught seminary at a school up in, um, Bountiful, Utah. And, um, she was able to get a hold of him finally. And word spread pretty quickly through my family. And I remember my husband wanted to send a text to his family. And I was like, babe, I know it's really hard, but I think you should call someone. Just yeah. pick one person, call them, and ask them to call everyone else. Everyone's going to want to help. And this is something that would be helpful. Because I remember my sister lost a friend in high school. He passed away suddenly. And she got a text from his mom because I don't blame these people at all. I don't want to sound like I'm 
just talking down on them, but I was glad yeah. that my experience taught me like this can be traumatic for other people if it's delivered in this way. Cause I mean, how can you call people and say like my child has passed away over and over and over? Like it's too yeah, much. And I didn't do that. I didn't want to do it. And I was like, I don't have to do it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I didn't, but I was like, I don't want other people to get this news through a text. So word spread quite quickly and people just flocked to our house. And it was actually amazing to see because like we're going through like shock and my mom's like trying to force feed me this pizza and I'm being helped to the bathroom every like five minutes because when you're in shock your body's just like I don't know what to do yeah and and I remember like my husband and my mom would take turns like literally carrying me to the bathroom because I couldn't move and my sister Natalie got there and she sat behind me on the couch and just like wrapped me in her arms and legs just like tight like a weighted blanket or like yeah, a security yeah. type thing. And I remember just like, we were all just kind of sitting there. I mean, we were talking, but we were trying to talk about like good memories. And I don't know. It was weird because I was grateful that people weren't trying to make it okay. Nobody mm-hmm. was like, this is going to be fine because of this, mm-hmm. which I was really grateful for. Cause I would have been like, no, I don't want to hear that today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we we just were like, this is so crazy. I don't understand. And I even said to the paramedics, this is so weird. I wrote a song about losing a child like two years ago. Right. And yeah. I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> this is confusing. I don't get why this is happening. I mean, yeah. I just, yeah. I, I, I kind of felt like, oh, I should be like safe from this because right. my sister already lost a baby. Like you can't, mm-hmm. it's not allowed to lose. Yeah, to have <laughs> so, to happen twice. Yeah, but, and mm-hmm. I I almost went on a mission for our church and I remember feeling strongly that I should stay home and I did stay home. And it was a few months after that, that Margo was born and passed away. Actually, it was a few weeks after that. Oh my goodness. Going to her funeral was devastating, of course. But I feel like seeing my sister go through that and having it be more familiar was really helpful to me when I had to go through it to myself because I saw my sister speak at her daughter's funeral. And I knew later, like, when it was my turn, I thought, I can't do it. How am I going to stand there and talk about this? And I remember thinking, no, Natalie did it. I can do it, too. And I just feel like it was a huge blessing to be able to do that. So while it is like it's too much for one family, right? People say that a lot. That's too much for one family to go through. I feel almost like who better for it to happen to like we we you can never be ready but it's like there were a lot of things that were really huge blessings and my sister natalie and i have always been close except for when we were like 10 and steal each other's clothes but well it's i mean i was just always so tall that i was like these are my clothes now <laughs> but, but at some point it just i don't know we just clicked and we've been super close ever since and so we like text 24 7 I don't know what else. And we couldn't get a hold of her that day, actually. We kept calling her, and she had fallen asleep because Nora was a horrible sleeper. She would never sleep. And so we had been texting, and I had told her, we had been talking about how, oh, Nora is never sleeping. She's so exhausted. And I was like, Alice has been sleeping forever. <laughs> and my whole family teases me because I sleep a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, oh, she's your daughter. Of course, she's sleeping a lot. And And then she had fallen asleep, actually by the time I found Alice, so we couldn't get a hold of her. And I also remember having a f- conversation with my brother-in-law, Kevin, and he's he's not, like, super shy, but he's a little guarded. And so I had always, like, 
wanted to be good friends with him because of my relationship with my sister. But I was always like, hmm, how do we? And I remember he called me and many people had been calling me, but I was like, I don't want to talk to some people. Yeah. And I remember answering and it was just like the sweetest conversation. And it was, I just remember him crying with me and being like, this is the worst thing because he lost his little girl. And ever since then, we've been really close too. And it's like, I don't know. It was, it was special. I felt like we needed that. And now we have a really good relationship as well. So So how old was Alice? She was like, just so um, I can't even remember now, but she was, she was six days away from five months. So she wasn't too old. But she wasn't that little either. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of times with SIDS, you hear people, like babies will pass away at like two weeks or younger. But she was old enough that she was smiling at people. And I love that you've told me that before where she was just very alert and like she was just there. She was something she, special. I remember the day she died, everybody was like, we should have known. She was like otherworldly. She was just like crazy. Yeah. I don't know. But... I feel like if you, even through videos and pictures, you can catch a glimpse of that, I feel like. And I feel like that's a big part of why I wanted to share her with people because she's just, she's really special. I love that. I love her. I love hearing stories, you know, just of how cute her smile was <laughs> and seeing your pictures. But one thing that came to mind is a lot of people like have asked, like my sister that lost her baby, they mm-hmm. ask her, you know, what can we do for people that lose, you know, like as yeah. as, as you're telling what people did or didn't do that you liked? Like, what's one thing that you're like, oh, that actually was really helpful during that, yeah, that tender time? Um, I feel like there are a lot of different things. And I, I feel like I got a whole lot of jewelry, which I love. I have this necklace that says Until Heaven that I wear every single day. I should probably take it off more than I do. But I just leave it on forever. <laughs> um, I just feel like the biggest thing people can do is just remember. And I mean, like... This might sound silly, but I try to set reminders in my phone when hard things happen to people because, I mean, we're only humans and I hope that doesn't make it sound like fake or contrived, but it's like, no, I want to remember this. And there were people all over, strangers, people I knew, people like family members rushing to my side for the first like two or three weeks. But after that, it really dies down. And then you kind of think like, do people think it's okay now? And Mm -hmm. it's like, no, it's not okay and yeah. people or that I'm over it or yeah. That, yeah it's like three weeks you're is never not gonna long get enough. over it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so to me I feel like that's the time when you can really make a huge difference because that's when people start to fall away and people just start feeling really alone and there were a lot of people who were super consistent and people who are still consistent and mm-hmm. it's like that's huge yeah because you're not okay yeah. and you want people to <laughs> To be aware of that, yeah. that it doesn't just go away just because yeah. it passed from their memory doesn't yeah. mean that it's ever going to pass from yours. Yeah. Everyone's different. So I feel like that's such a hard question to answer just because people have different needs. And they deal with like, it differently. Yeah. And so it's it's hard to give like a blanket statement of what people need. But I love to talk about her. Like people saying like, come talk about Alice with us is like, I would I love nothing more than to talk about her. And yes, it's hard. Like I'm not going to pretend like it's all happy rainbows to talk about her. It is hard, but it's also like, thank you for remembering her. Thank you for feeling like she's important enough to talk about. And when people say her name or like, tell, ask me what she was like, it's like, 
I don't know. That's she's all yours. I mean, she's, I love, I love that. Yeah. I, I was at a, um, conference the other day with Heidi swap Mm -hmm. and she was talking about, she lost her son at 16 and to suicide. And she, you could tell she's still like, even talking, even when she was sharing her story, it was still so raw and tender. Yeah. But she talked about how the power of and, and you can be grieving and still have joy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or you can be sad and yeah. still crack a joke. You yeah. know, like there's <laughs> the power of and. And I loved that because yeah. I think you'll always be, I mean, until you see her again, you'll always kiss her, her and, and, yes. and yeah, and have that, that grief for her and, and missing that time with her. But yeah, it, even just seeing you, when we hang out or whatever, I, you, you're, you're happy too. So I feel like there definitely is that power of, and, and I know that you still are, you know, getting help or whatever it is that you need to do. And I think that's so important, but I, I truly believe you have felt you live by that. I feel like you're just very good at incorporating the power of, and I really try to, cause I, I remember my mom has a friend who is a grief therapist and she lives too far away from me, unfortunately to have seen her. But um, she said to her that, like, with grief and sorrow, like, the only thing powerful enough to coexist with that or, like, shine through that is joy. And it's really interesting because it's like, how can you experience joy when you're in such a sad, down, dark place? But that's kind of what I've felt. Like, for me, it's kind of like sometimes, like, happy is, like, just not going to happen. But I can still feel the joy from Alice. It's kind of an interesting thing. But... To me, I was like, okay, yeah, I can do that. I can invite joy in my life, and I can try to have those times when it shines through. But that's another thing. When people ask me, like, how I'll get emails sometimes from moms who have recently lost children, and they always say, like, what can I do? And the biggest thing I always say is find a therapist that works for you because everyone's different, and everybody has different needs. And for me, I found some things that worked, and I'm always happy to share those, but I feel like people have specific needs and like mm-hmm. you're as unique as your child was and you need different sort of advice and love. And so shop around, find a therapist <laughs> yeah. that can help mm-hmm. you. And I feel like I had one that was working for me for the first few years after Alice died. And then just like six months ago or so I found a new one that I'm having a great experience with. And I feel like that's invaluable and there's no reason to be embarrassed or ashamed or shy away from those things because it's like, you shouldn't have to deal with that alone. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What has your experience been now bringing another daughter into your family? How has how have you seen Alice in that? And how has yeah. that changed your this motherhood experience that you're having now with Rosie? Yeah. Um, I have like a million thoughts. I'll just kind of share. People ask me a lot, how do you know when you're ready to have another baby? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a weird... I was in a unique situation because the day Alice died, my sister Natalie, whose daughter passed away, took me aside and said, I know this is the last thing you want to do, but you're never going to feel even close to normal until you have another baby. And if that had come from anyone else, I would have been like, get out. There's the yeah. <laughs> yeah. But coming from her, for some reason, I was just like, you're absolutely right. And I had seen that with her. I mean, her and her husband were like, a shell until Nora was born, you know? And I, I knew, and I knew she knew that it was never going to fix it. Right. So for me, it was more just like, I just 
took a jump into the deep end. I, I didn't feel ready and I felt like I never would. And I was like, okay, we'll just do it. And my husband felt really strongly like this is what we need to do. And, um, so I tried to respect that because it was the opposite with Alice. (laughs) We had been married only a few months and I remember feeling so strongly like her presence in our home. And it was very weird because we were poor young students and I felt her throughout my whole pregnancy. And when she was born, she was so familiar to me. I knew exactly who she was and I knew exactly how she would be. And I was totally right. And it was very weird because with Rosie, I didn't feel that way at all. I was like, this is a stranger that I'm (laughs) going to have. But Dallas felt like, okay, let's, let's have a baby. And it was funny. This is like TMI, but I'm going to tell you anyway, like we had, we're all about TMI. We charted (laughs) out my ovulation cycles. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm going to ovulate that day. We'll try three days before. And then the day I'm ovulating, then three days after. So we tried three days before I was ovulating. And literally right after I was like, I can't do it. What are we thinking? (laughs) I want to wait a few months. And Dallas was like, okay, no problem. And then like five days later, I was like, I'm pregnant. I can feel it. And I totally was. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. That gives me the goosebumps. (laughs) I just felt like, okay, this is a sign, like, this is what I needed, you know, because, like, who gets pregnant that quick? And we didn't get pregnant that fast with Alice. Mm -hmm. And I doubt we'll ever get pregnant that quickly again. But it was, like, that was exactly what I needed. And the whole pregnancy, I felt really, honestly, just, like, I was just waiting for Rosie to be born. I, like, that whole pregnancy is just a blur. I don't remember it, like, at all. And I was horrified. And I just was, like, how can I how can I do this? But when she was born, I would love to say that it was like this instant connection and it was so beautiful and perfect. But honestly, I felt horrible. I was like, who is this? This isn't Alice, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I knew she wouldn't be. And I remember I wanted a boy because I was like, if it's just like even more different, Different. maybe that will help. Yeah. But, um, I got a girl and I don't know, the second we found out it was a girl, I was actually thrilled but I thought I would wanted a boy. It's all very complicated, but it took a few months for me to like build that bond with Rosie. And I tried to be very open about that um, on social media and with people. And my, I remember my mom was always like, you don't have to tell everyone. And I was like, I feel like I do because I think people have these babies and they feel like there's something wrong with them if mm-hmm. they don't like instantly connect it. And I just think Sometimes that happens and that's wonderful, but sometimes it's like any other relationship where you have to like spend time together and bond and do things. Mm -hmm, And that's how it was with Rosie. And also, I mean, she was really fussy. She had a dairy intolerance. So she was like crying constantly the first three months. Mm -hmm. And I remember I always called her (laughs) ma'am. I was like, how can I help you, ma'am? At like 3 a.m. Because I just was like, and I told myself like, Sarah, even if this was someone else's baby that you were like fostering, you would take good care of her. Mm-hmm. And that's enough for now. Like meet her needs. That's fine. She's not mm-hmm. going to be like, why don't you love me more? Like you call she, her ma'am. I did. Yeah, I like, did. It's just hard because there was just that emotional guard there. Yeah. I was so scared to get attached to another to another baby and to yeah. lose her. And luckily, we we got an outlet monitor, and my mom bought them for all my sisters who had babies at that time, right after Alice died. And it it didn't go off too often when she was tiny, but it was like a huge peace of mind thing for us and I will confidently say I feel like it saved Rosie's life at least twice there were two times where her oxygen was like plummeting for no reason and it was pretty gradual the decline so I feel like it was legitimate like alert and I just feel like I 
wouldn't have been able to survive any other way. And I told Dallas, I was like, we could not have more babies if this didn't exist. There's just no way. Because I mean, even with that, I'm not gonna pretend like that erased all of my anxiety, Yeah, but it was very, very helpful. And like at at one point, I feel like it was almost like a switch that just like flipped one day where I was just like, oh my gosh, I adore this baby. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I think it was really helpful when she started looking at me and smiling and connecting more and it took her it took her a while I mean Alice was doing that at like like two days old she we were making eye contact and she Mm -hmm. smiled at like two weeks old Mm -hmm. and with Rosie I was kind of like are you in there what's going on yeah (laughs) but eventually we got there and I was like this was so worth it and then as she grew up I was like I don't know. It was big when she passed the age that Alice was. I bet. It was like, I don't know. It was wonderful and devastating because after that, like, I mean, with I think with every child, the more time you spend with them, the more your love grows, right? And now mm-hmm. she's like doing the hand signs with wheels on the bus and oh, she'll give me so kisses cute. and she'll dance to music. And like my love for her is on a whole new plane than I ever knew it could be. And it's not that I love her more than Alice, but it's like we have these experiences and more time right. together. And it's like bittersweet every day because it's like, oh my gosh, I wish I could have these times with Alice, mm-hmm. but I'm so happy that I have them with you, you know? And so it's it's definitely changed my parenting. With Alice, everybody would always be like, oh, she's not your first baby, is she? Because I was really relaxed about stuff. I wasn't so worried. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's fine. We'll do, it'll just all work out. And um, I, looking back, I'm like, maybe I should have been more worried and would have been more careful. Maybe things would be different. But then at the same time, I'm like, I'm glad I didn't spend a second of her life worrying. I just enjoyed, enjoyed her every single day. Mm-hmm. And then with Rosie, people are always like, oh, this is your first, isn't it? <laughs> I get the grocery <laughs> store because I just fuss over her about little things now, but and it's it's sad because I think I wish I could be the mom that I was before where I wasn't so worried and I could just like enjoy her more. But, but this is who I, I am now. If you have any type if just hearing your story right now, you shouldn't question how you are as a mom now. I think everything has happened to you. I don't want to say because, you know, God obviously doesn't want us to go through grief like this, yeah. but I think that he takes what's happened to you and made it what it should be and he does that for all of us in our lives and so the way that you mother right now is just perfect and just right how it should be thanks (laughs) you shouldn't question it yeah and i want to thank you for your honesty i think it's really hard for people to be open and vulnerable about some of these really in our society what we deem as maybe unworthy feelings or things we shouldn't feel or experience but more people experiencing and experience them yeah. than we think yeah. and we need voices like you to to express it for all those who feel like they are unheard or that they can't express it yeah. and that's why I mean that's why people love you and I think that's why people flock to you and why I flock to you and why ops flocks to you is because of your honesty that's and your insane. vulnerability my yeah. mom's always called me the queen of TMI <laughs> and I felt like I've been preparing for this my whole life oversharing since I was <laughs> since I was young but I feel like that's how you make connections and it's I'm really passionate about being authentic and I am you are authentic I I I strive to be that way it's it it does come naturally to me I won't lie but I I do try to even push myself because I feel like 
people need to know that they're not alone. And I feel like it, there's no worse feeling than feeling like you are the only one. It's like really validating to know like, Oh, other people have felt this way. And it's, yeah, it's 100%. liberating to be like, Oh, there's a, there's a whole army of women who are looking at their newborn baby thinking, why do I not feel more connected to you? Right. And it's like, that it's going to work out. These women, <laughs> the women have been feeling that way forever. And the, it, in the end they love them like with their whole hearts and you'll get there it's okay yeah (laughs) i love that is there anything any kind of message you would want to share to either moms who have gone through something similar as you or who know someone who has you know lost a baby or a child or been through anything even grief in general family anybody is there anything you would say to them or a message you would want to relate to them as far as if they're right in the center of it, what would you tell them? Um, one thing that I felt like I need to tell people is that it doesn't get all better, but it gets better. And like, it's so hard. People will say like, oh, you're so strong. I don't know how you do it. And I'm like, was there another option? No, there wasn't. I just had to do it. I was thrown into it and people are thrown into hard things all the time. And another thing, I wrote a song about this for my EP. It's called everybody's hurting. And it's just like, everybody's dealing with stuff. And I choose to be really open about my loss. And so people know what I'm going through, but there are so many people, even people going through the same thing I'm going through. You have no idea, right? You, Mm -hmm. You can't always know if someone's going through a miscarriage. You can't always know if someone's lost a child if it was five or 10 years ago before you met them, you can't always know if their mom just got diagnosed with cancer. You can't see those things. And I feel like that's the biggest gift that I've been given through my trials is to try to treat everyone like we're all dealing with things. And I don't, I don't know. People want to ask what's worse, you know, (laughs) and they'll ask sometimes about Margo versus Alice or Margo was only here for a week. Alice was here for five months. And I just think it's all bad. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds kind of pessimistic, but tr- to me, it gives me more of a sense of community mm-hmm. and like love mm-hmm. and support in this world, knowing like we're all on a team. We're all dealing with stuff and we just need to be kind to each other and try to mm-hmm. hold each other up through these things because none of us really have a choice. We don't. You know? and- well, and all of us, the worst thing that anyone's experienced is the same level as of worst as the worst thing someone else has experienced. It's all the worst thing we've gone through. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so I often try to remember that just because I feel like my problem might be worse than someone else's. If yeah. that's the hardest thing that they are going through at this time or the hardest thing they've gone through, it's just as hard yeah. on them as what I'm going through for me. And I just think you're so wise to, to live that way. To constantly be mm-hmm. aware that everybody's hurting, everybody's going through something, and wouldn't we all be more graceful and less judgmental and more um, giving and serving and everything if we were constantly thinking about that? Yeah, I love that, and I feel like suffering is suffering. You know, no yeah. matter what, where you're at, yeah, it's exactly. It's I like that. that. No matter the source, it's like pain is pain. Okay, but Sarah, I did see you post in the Mama Hood. I have to bring. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, we can talk about that. I loved, I just loved, first of all, I just loved your post. I felt like, I just felt like it was so, so good as far as you were just were tactful in what you said and you brought such a good perspective in talking about 
giving people the benefit of the doubt. Like, just can you kind of maybe explain yeah. more of your post and all of sure. that? Sure. Because just because I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so Alice passed away in a rock and play sleeper. And um, that's always been really hard for me to talk about. It's been like the one thing that I'm like, I can't talk about that. I can't go there because I've seen a lot of things online and heard a lot of things from different people where it's just, there's so much judgment that goes around that. And I was getting like literally hundreds of emails a few weeks after Alice died when I posted a a post about the day she died saying, thank you so much. I've burned my rock and play. I've thrown mine away. (laughs) And I just was like, this is not my intention. I'm, and so I actually edited my post to not mention the rock and play because I was like, I don't want to talk about that. And yeah. I had lawyers reaching out to me. Do you want to sue Fisher Price? Do you want to do this? And I still get emails from lawyers. I got like two last week and I'm like, I don't want to talk about the rock. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's just always been such a huge source of anxiety because that was gifted to me by my sisters, the people who loved Alice and loved me more than anyone in the world. And it's, it's really hard for me to even consider that that could have like played any part and in my specific instance I don't believe that it did but I know that it has in other infant deaths and so I've kind of been like okay I can talk about this more because I don't want other people to go through this right and so I've seen all these posts about oh rock and play sleepers aren't safe rock and play sleepers aren't safe and it breaks my heart every time, but even, I mean, there's a, there's a story here in Utah recently about a little boy who got his arm bitten off by this dog who had reached, I don't know exactly what happened. It's kind of unclear, but yeah. a neighbor's dog bit his arm through the gate and people are saying these parents weren't watching him. And, and I remember a few years ago, that little boy in Disneyland who was taken by a crocodile, like freak accident. And people are so cruel and they just say this this parent won't weren't this parent wasn't watching them close enough this parent's stupid this was neglect and i mean these stories are awful yeah and it's like you cannot watch your child close enough to protect them from every single thing that ever happens right and i just feel like people forget that and i i i I've spent many nights <laughs> thinking about this. Why would someone say this? And I've kind of come to the conclusion that people just want to feel safe. And if they can tell themselves that happened because that mom is dumb, then they feel safe and they say, I'm not dumb. That won't happen to me. And then they can go about their lives and not worry about it. And I just feel like that's such a, like <laughs> Na- almost naive kind of, <laughs> it's, it's totally yeah. naive and it's so self-centered Yeah, it's like, just think about what this person is going through. And I just, I don't know. I just think people need to remember that because you can't prevent everything. No, it's impossible. Yeah. And I will say that sometimes things happen where you can take a lesson from it. Right. And I think from all these moms who are brave enough to share whose children passed away in rock and play sleepers, it takes so much courage to share that and say, I hope, you'll do something different, right? Right. And I think those comments always come with a lot of guilt and people forget about that. And it's like, yeah, there are times where we want to say, okay, note to self in my mind, I want to try to do this. I want to strive to buckle my child in their car seat correctly, right? Every yeah. single time, yeah. which is so hard because you're in and out of the car a million times. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, 
I don't know. It's really difficult for me to see other parents get criticized online like this. And so mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if you noticed, but I posted that post in the group at like 3 a.m. Oh, I didn't see that. But <laughs> it's, because, <laughs> it's because I had just been laying there feeling awful, like yeah. the worst mom in the world, because I see all these comments about Rock and Plays like, well, if you just follow the directions, everything's fine. And it's like, oh, well, it, it seems to me that if you just use common sense, nothing bad is going to happen. And I'm just like, it's just not true. It's not. It might reduce your risk. Like, I'm a huge advocate for safe sleep practices. I do them with Rosie. I've been very diligent. My mom teases me all the time. She's like, she's too cold without a blanket. I'm like, she can't have a blanket. She's three months old. I mean, she's she's older now. but And, of course, we want to try to do those things. But it doesn't guarantee anything, right? So I just I just wanted to, I mean, it really stemmed from a lot of pain and insecurity. And I mean, I was really, really struggling. And I was like, I have to say something. And I just, I don't even remember exactly what I said. But I, I tried to say something like, just for a moment, try to put yourself in the shoes of this mother who has lost her child and did her very best. And maybe she did fail. I feel like I failed often, right? And it's like, even if she did, like, approach people with kindness and love. And, and isn't she, don't you think she understands already without yeah. you saying something, obviously? Yeah. And I tried to say that too. Like, don't you think she's, like, you can't imagine the countless hours she spent going over this in her mind. She knows exactly what she did wrong. If she did anything wrong, which she didn't. That's quote yeah, unquote what she right. did wrong. Yeah. It's like, I promise you, she's found 10,000 things she did wrong. You don't need to point any more out to her. <laughs> yeah. Mom guilt is so, even with something that was not even her fault. Right. Mom guilt is already there. It, you know, I promise mm-hmm. it's there. And it's like, just think about these mothers. Just be compassionate. And it's like, I mean, I, I'm a very young mother. I had Alice when I was 21, barely. And I remember people being like, oh, this poor young mom just didn't know any better. And even those people aren't really trying to be rude. But I'm like, that's kind of rude. It totally (laughs) is. I'm like, like, they're trying to give me the benefit of the doubt. Like, oh, she just didn't know this poor naive. And it's like, no, just be kind. too, though, I mean, that is such a deep. I just think like what Maren was saying earlier, God is so in the details. It's not like, I mean, I don't know. I personally believe if. It wasn't that. It would have been something else. I That's just exactly think, how I feel. I just think everyone is here for a certain amount of time. I just, I don't know. I just think there's such a bigger picture than what you're looking at. Yeah. But it does remind me of, I. there was a story in the news a while ago of a mom who left her baby on accident in the car, in the car, in her car seat. I literally can't even read about that and because it makes me sick. Well, sometimes I'm like, because she got a lot of hate for that. I know. And I'm like, I could, to- I'm like, I'm juggling three. I could totally accidentally leave my kid somewhere. You know, like where, where's the grace for her? Like we're all just trying to do our best. And she, I mean, poor thing just needed a break or someone to just wrap their arms around her because she already felt like crap, you know? So I just love, I just loved your message with that because it's like, let's give everyone a second and a break because every mom kind of needs it. Right. And that's, that's kind of one of the examples that I look to where it's like, you can look at that story and think, okay, I'm going to recommit myself to make sure I'm not leaving my kids in the car, right? 
that's fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And I think that we're all trying to learn and grow from each other. It's impossible to do every single thing right your whole life. You can't do it. Yeah. Um, But I feel like you don't need to say like, well, I'm just going to make sure I never leave my kids in the car. Like, no kidding you don't need to say yeah. that yeah and it's i mean i don't know if you read any of your stories about this woman now because i'm pretty sure she's in jail or she might be in a psych facility i don't know but it's like it's absolutely devastating because it's like this lady beat herself up enough i'm sure of it mm-hmm. i can't imagine she's never gonna do that again right yeah ever yeah and you, you know? see, i mean have you seen keychains for sale that are like double check that your kid's in the car or a sticker you can put on your steering wheel and i'm like that's great and people will be like what kind of idiot would and it's like oh my gosh i know i just don't understand it i just feel like just be kind i don't get it it's that simple yeah and what does it like with the online bullying stuff like what good is that gonna help i think you're exactly right like they're just saying stuff like that to make themselves feel better and Mm -hmm. it's not it doesn't help it doesn't help at all well, and like I would classify myself as well, according to our survey we did on Instagram, a helicopter mom. Oh yeah. Um, but I even in my super fatigued, this postpartum phase for me has been extra. For some reason, I've been extra fatigued, and I have had moments where I check myself, and I'm like a super obsessive helicopter mom, but moments where I, I almost forget things that are really scary or really important to remember. And I have broke down crying because I'm like, how could I, how could that slip my mind? Yeah. Yeah. Or how could that almost slip my mind? And, and, and it'll spiral to where I feel so angry at myself for even potentially forgetting something or, I mean, we just, we need to grant more grace because I never thought I would be the mom to, to, to almost forget a kid or whatever. But here I am in a really fatigued state and it's hard for me to admit, but like really doing some really stupid things. And so, and it's because you're not, your brain is physically not able to do everything. Like you're so tired. It's almost like, like going three days without sleep is the same as being drunk. I think is what I read the other day. Right. (laughs) Like it's, it's like torture and you have to give yourself grace for, we just have to remember what everyone's, everyone is in a different state of mind than what you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you get on there and say, well, I would never do this. Well, you've probably never been in that state of mind. Yeah. Right. You know? Well, I remember also thinking just like, I don't think there's a mom out there. And if you are that mom out there, congratulations. But like, there's not a mom who hasn't realized, like gotten home and been like, oh my gosh, my kid isn't buckled right. Or like, mm-hmm oh my gosh, where's my kid? Oh, he's running out to the road. Like these things happen and thank goodness, usually it's okay, right? Mm -hmm. Usually we can just say, okay, I'm not gonna do that again. Yeah. But every once in a while, that unfortunate mortal fluke because we're just humans doing our best and we mess up intersects with a horrible accident and then it's not okay. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't understand how you can say I would never do that when it's like, I bet you have done that, but guess what? Nothing bad happened. That's true. That's wonderful that it didn't. Like I genuinely am really happy that that's not usually how it goes, but it's like, we're all just moms. And we're, I think really most of us are truly doing our best. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. If you are doing everything in your power to love and care for your child the best you can, you're a good mom. Yeah, exactly. We just have to remember that. For sure. I feel like 
I mean, you've said a lot of really, really good things. Can you kind of give a little bit about like what, I know obviously Alice's passing and everything is what inspired the song, but um, what would you want our listeners to know about the song and maybe your experience writing it or what certain phrases in it mean or anything like that? Um, I'm religious, but I feel like even people who aren't necessarily religious have sometimes had experiences where they can feel people who have they've lost right and i i feel that i wish i felt it more but sometimes i do feel her close to me and i feel like um that's what i wanted to share with with the song was just like she's like a song in my head right (laughs) i can't i can't see her i can't touch her um but she's there and it like affects everything i do and um I mean, the very first lines are, there's a song in my soul and I bring it with me everywhere I go. And it's like, that's exactly how I feel about her. She's like this beautiful, I don't know, I think we've all heard in a movie, like a beautiful, sad violin. (laughs) And that's kind Mm -hmm. of how it feels because it's, I wanted that joy and that sorrow to be there. And for me, I feel like the most, the part where I get emotional most of the time is in the bridge because I say, um, I feel you close in every note, though you're far away, not in my arms, but in my heart. So let it play. And it's just like talking about how it's hard to talk about her. It is hard to share, but it is like motivating and empowering. And one of my very favorite quotes, let me look it up, about loss is by... This woman, she refers to herself as um, Violet's mom. And I, I love it because her daughter, Violet, passed away. I'll paraphrase the quote, but um, it says something. She's referring to her daughter, Violet, and she says, like, she changed me on a cellular level. And there's an ache in my heart that nothing will fix, but there's a fire in my soul that I know is her. And when I read that, I was like, that is exactly it because it's like i don't know it's kind of like that thing where they talk about like the bowl breaks and then they fill the cracks with gold and it's just kind of i love that you've put yourself out there a lot on this topic um on your instagram it says that you are an advocate for sids awareness and everything do you feel i know you probably have a lot of moms reaching out to you who have experienced similar things or when they experience it, they come to you for support. Do you feel like that has helped you? I mean, does that kind of keep you dwelling on the feelings involved with with that moment of finding Alice or do you feel like it helps you propel forward or how has that kind of played into it? Because not everyone who deals with infant loss has to become an advocate for it or becomes an advocate for it no they definitely don't have to and everyone copes differently for me i feel like it's actually really helpful i i feel really inspired and of course it's devastating to see these moms whose loss is so fresh but at the same time i see them and i think i've come so far and I feel kind of proud of myself because I'm like, I made it through that. And I, I hope they look at me and see how far they can come 
because I, I truly don't believe that I'm like stronger or more special. I just feel like I'm a product of like a really supportive, loving community and people who are very helpful and just like, you just have to keep going. Right. Like I said before, like you don't really have a choice. You have to deal with the stuff that you're given. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's kind of like, I think it's called symbiotic in that way where I can look at them and say like, okay, because sometimes I do feel like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm still this sad about this. Right. But then I, I look at these women and I just think, okay, no, it's okay. I'm making progress every day and that's fine. And maybe not every single day. Someone also said that like grief isn't linear. It's not like you get better every day and it's just like upward. It's like up and then down and up and down mm-hmm. and then up for a while and then down for a while. Yeah. And it's just like, that's, that's how the human experience works. And it's okay because you're just trying, you know? And I just, for me, I feel really empowered talking to women like that because there were a lot of amazing women who were there for me at that time who I've never met in person who I have no like relationship with outside of talking about these things and there was one woman specifically I've never met her we've never talked on the phone or anything we've literally just chatted on Facebook but I talked to her extensively about like the the every single detail of finding Alice that day And I shared with her things that I don't normally tell people just because I I don't want to disturb them, right? And I I talked with her about it, and she shared with me about her son. And it was another one of those things where it's like it's so empowering not to feel alone. Mm -hmm. Because I remember thinking, this is too much for me to deal with. Like losing her is one thing, but these images that are haunting my mind and these things that I saw, it's too much. I can't deal with it. And to talk with her and say, okay, she saw and experienced those same things and she made it through. Okay, I can do it. And I i mean, she's always going to be special to me, even though we don't have like a real life relationship. <laughs> I feel like we're more connected than many people that I have met in real life. And I, I want to be that for other people. And, you know, they don't always want that, which is fine. Um, but it's like, if I can and they need that, I want to be there for them. And it's just like, yeah, I for me, I feel like I benefit. I love that. I love that too because you were helping these moms before you went through it. You know, like with <laughs> with your sweet niece, and then I mean, it, you just have this circle of I just I don't know. I just see the circle of women coming back through you for you, and then you're helping a circle yeah. of women coming who are just going through it. So yeah. I love that. I think you're you're just such a beacon of light for so many moms. You're That's amazing. Really nice of you. We love you and we're really grateful that you came to share your story and um, I know that there will be lots of people who gain strength from you and from this and that's our mission is for moms to feel understood and why we want to bring people on who can understand them differently than we can and I think you do a really great job of that and we appreciate your vulnerability thanks for having me thank you so much for joining us and listening to our interview today with sarah um you can find sarah on instagram at sarah bertola and from her instagram account you can access her blog and all of the other amazing things that she's doing as an artist and as an advocate for sid's awareness 
Um, We are so grateful that you are a part of our community and we hope that wherever you're at and whatever you've experienced, today's episode was helpful for you. You can find us on Instagram at the.mamahood and you can always reach out to us through email at themamahoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please scroll down and leave a review so that we can reach other mamas like you. Okay, we'll talk to you next week.